بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم in these verses we will learn about the idda the waiting period of the widow first of all we learned about nikah and then we learned about the different ways in which a marriage can finish it can come to an end talaq khula and now we're learning about the death of the husband So in that case again, the marriage is finished because the husband's gone. The wife is left on her own. She's a widow now. So we will learn about the idda of the widow. Along with that, inshallah, in these verses, we will also learn about the compensation that is to be given to the divorced woman. I heard in the groups today, a lot of people were discussing about how, you know, when the woman is divorced and she gets to keep whatever the husband gave her, A lot of people, do they like that concept, right? So inshallah, we will learn about the different cases of divorce and in which case, how much mahar does the woman keep, inshallah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. وَالَّذِينَ يُتَوَفَّوْنَ مِنْكُمْ And those people, meaning those men, who die amongst you. يُتَوَفَّوْنَ يُتَوَفَّوْنَ is from the root letters وَوْفَيَا and وَفَا is to fulfill something to reach the end of something it is also used for fulfilling a promise for keeping a promise to reach the end of a term that was agreed upon so tawaffi is also used for death it is also used for death why do you think it is used for death because when a person dies he has reached the end of his term correct the promise of life that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had made with him for however long he was meant to live, that term is over and then he is wafa, meaning he is fully taken. Okay, he is fully taken. How is he fully taken? Meaning the soul is taken, the ruh is taken. No trace of ruh remains in the body. Which is why the body is completely lifeless. So those people who are yutawaffawna minkum, meaning who are given death among you. Those men who die. And when they die, وَيَذَرُونَ And they leave behind أَزْوَاجًا Wives. يَذَرُونَ From وَاو ذَالْرَ وَذَرَ To leave something as it is. So they leave behind أَزْوَاجًا أَزْوَاج is a plural of زوج. And زوج is used for spouse. Over here it refers to wife. So if a man dies and he leaves behind him, A wife. But notice the word azwajan. Who is a zawj? Someone to whom a person is married to. Right? Someone to whom a person is married to. There is nikah. And this shows that what is mentioned over here with regards to their idda, their idda, which widow has to sit for? Every kind of widow. Meaning no matter what kind of marriage she was in with the husband, she will sit for their idda. In other words, whether she was young or old. Okay? Whether the marriage was consummated or it was not consummated. What does it mean by that? That only the nikah took place? That's what? Not consummated. And what is consummated marriage? That both the husband and wife are actually living together. Okay? So in either case, whether the marriage was consummated or not, whether the woman is young or old, whether she got married just a week ago or has been married for 30 years, whatever 
situation she is in. If she was married to the man, the nikah had been done, then she has to sit for the iddah. Then she has to sit for the iddah. So for example, even if a man and woman got married, okay, they just had their nikah, the woman was living in another country and he was living in another country. They were supposed to live together within a year, but before that, the man died. So in that case, again, the girl, she has to sit for the iddah. She has to wait until the end of the waiting period before she can consider marrying someone else. So, وَالَّذِينَ يَتَوَفَّوْنَ مِنْكُمْ وَيَذَرُونَ أَزْوَاجًا But remember that engagement is not nikah. Okay? Engagement is not nikah. So over here, zawj, this cannot apply to a fiancé. Meaning a man and a woman, if they were just engaged and the man died, the woman does not have to sit for the idda because there was only engagement. But if the nikah took place, whether or not they were living together, then the idda, the woman has to sit for. يَتَرَبَّصْنَ بِأَنفُسِهِنَّ يَتَرَبَّصْنَ رَبَّصَاد We have done this word earlier, تَرَبَّصْ Right? To wait, to lie and wait for something. And the noon at the end is for feminine plural. So those women, the widows, they have to wait, be anfusihinna with themselves. Meaning they have to hold themselves back. They have to wait with themselves. Meaning they cannot be hasty in doing nikah. They have to wait until the waiting period is over. And only then they can consider marrying someone else. But why is this said? يَتَرَبَّصْنَ بِأَنفُسِهِنَّ They have to sit with themselves. It is being said they have to keep themselves. They have to stop themselves. They have to stop themselves from what? From getting married. Because the thing is that human beings naturally, they desire to have partners. They desire to have partners. This is a natural feeling that is amongst human beings. So a woman when her husband dies, she can't think about marrying somebody else immediately. No. She has to wait for some time. For how long does she have to wait? Arba'ata ashur, four months, ashur, plural of shahr, four months, and wa'ashra, and ten. Meaning four months and ten days. So the waiting period of a widow is how long? Four months and ten days. The waiting period for the divorced woman, how much is that? Three menstrual cycles, and if she doesn't have her period, then how much? Three lunar months. But over here we see that for the widow, it doesn't mean four menstrual cycles. No. What is it? Four months and ten days. Four months and ten days. Now okay, you understand the concept of four months, but why the addition of ten days? Why? Why is it four months and ten days? What's the hikmah behind that? Scholars have suggested many reasons as to why it is four months and ten days. One of the reasons that they have mentioned is to completely establish pregnancy. Meaning if she is pregnant, she will be sure that she was pregnant. Within this period of time, four months and ten days. Because sometimes women, they don't even know they're expecting until a very long time. And later on it is discovered. But other scholars, they have disagreed with this. Because if it was necessary to have the pregnancy established within four months and ten days, then their idda for the divorced woman would not be less than that. You understand? It would not be three months, it would be more than. Alright? So some scholars have disagreed with that reason. Other scholars have said, 
that it is four months and ten days because before this command came amongst the Arabs, the Jahili Arabs, their practice was that a widow, she would have her idda for an entire year. When her husband passed away, she had to wait for an entire year before she could get married. And that year was not spent in the way that normal people live their lives, no. That woman was kept in seclusion away from everyone. In a closed space, she was not allowed to come out of the house or anything at all. She would use the washroom there, she would menstruate there, she would eat there, she would drink there. She would not be allowed to even touch water. They had a lot of restrictions upon her. And when she would come out of her idda after a year, then she would be brought out and imagine she's filthy. She hasn't even touched water for an entire year. You can't even imagine the state that she would be in. And then they would bring a donkey or a sheep or a bird or something and it would be cut, slashed and it would bleed to death. It was like basically symbolic that look, I am in no state of getting married. If somebody gets married to me, then look at how filthy I am. And look at this animal, you know, it's dying in front of me. This bird is dying in front of me. So if you even think about touching me, expect ill fate. I'm a bad omen, in other words. So this was the belief of the Jahili Arabs. And you know what? Such kind of belief, similar, exists today as well. That if a woman, if her husband has passed away, don't let her come to a wedding. She has to wear all white clothes or all black clothes. She's in mourning for the rest of her life. She can't be present at happy occasions because if she comes, you know, she might bring with her bad luck. People have such kind of beliefs concerning widows. And in some cultures, a widow would be burnt alive with the dead body of her husband. Yes. She will be burnt alive with the dead body of her husband that such a person cannot live anymore. She will only bring bad luck to the rest of the society. She doesn't deserve to live. The purpose of her life has finished. So the idda of the Jahiri Arabs, it was how much? An entire year. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He abolished this practice. He abolished this practice completely how? That a woman would not sit for an entire year in her idda, but how much? A third of a year, which is how many months? Four months. And a third of a month, which is how much? Ten days. You understand? So it was reduced by how much? Two-thirds. So she would sit for a third of a year, four months, and a third of a month, ten days. So some scholars, this is what they have said. And yes, the practices, the beliefs that they had concerning the widow, all of them were finished. There were only a few, such as the woman does not get remarried. Yes, she will stay within her house most of the time because she needs time to heal. She needs time to adjust to her new life as a single person again. She needs time to manage to deal with all of the things that her husband has left behind, all the responsibilities, all of the amanat, everything that has to be done. So she needs time to herself. So that's why the waiting period is there. Okay? So four months and ten days. يَتَرَبَّصْنَ بِأَنفُسِهِنَّ أَرْبَعَةَ أَشْهُرٍ وَعَشْرًا But if the woman is pregnant at the time when her husband passes away, then how much is her idda? Until when? Until she gives birth. In Surah Al-Talaq, ayah number four, Allah says, وَأُولَاتُ الْأَحْمَالِ أَجَلُهُنَّ أَنْ يَضَعْنَ حَمْلَهُنَّ 
that those women who are pregnant, their idda is how much? Until they give birth. Now we see that idda, this is something that has to be observed by every single widow, regardless of her age. Okay? Regardless of whether the marriage was consummated or not, it doesn't matter. She's not allowed to get married before this waiting period comes to an end. She has to observe the rules, the regulations of the idda. What are the rules and regulations of the idda? First of all, we see that she is not allowed to get married. Why? Why do you think she's not allowed to get married before the idda is over? She was living with her husband. She was emotionally attached to him. She was mentally, you know, with him. She was focused on him completely. And if she gets married to somebody else after a month, after two months, you think she will be able to adjust? She wouldn't be. Her heart is still hurting. You know, her mind is still there. Uh, she can't get over the memories of her lost husband. How is it fair for a woman that she is married to somebody else immediately after the death of her husband? It's not fair. Her mind and heart would be somewhere else, attached to something else. So the first thing is that the woman is not allowed to get married. Now, even if the marriage was not consummated, okay, the man was living in one country, the woman was living in another country, the nikah had taken place. Even though they were not living together, still she cannot get married before the idda is over. Why? Because she was ready to move in with her husband, she was talking to him, she knew him, you know, she was in a different mindset. She had different feelings towards him. And she needs time to get over those feelings, to get over that state in order to start a fresh relationship. Right? So this is why a woman is not allowed to get married in her idda. And she is not going to be proposed to either. Meaning Muslim men are not even allowed to propose to her directly. Okay? Secondly, the woman the widow, she is not allowed to adorn and beautify herself. She's not allowed to adorn and beautify herself. What does it mean by this? She can't touch water? She can't take a shower? She can't wear nice, decent clothes? No. This is not what it means. We know that as believers, we have to observe tahara. Okay? Tahara is something very, very important in our religion. Without it, you can't pray. Your salah will be invalid. Okay? What it means by this is that she's not going to adorn herself like she would do for her husband. Such as wearing nice dressy clothes, wearing jewelry, wearing makeup, wearing fragrance. This is what women typically do for who? For their husbands. Which is why we see, at least before it was like this, that women who were married and women who were unmarried. There was a clear distinction between them. But these days you can't even tell because even the most youngest of girls are dressed up as if they were supermodels. Right? All the time. So, Anyway, the primary reason for a woman to dress up herself is for who? For her husband. And when her husband is not there, she's not going to. Okay? It doesn't mean that women are not allowed to dress up. This is not what it means. But when a woman is not dressed up, then it shows that she's not interested in marriage. Okay? It shows that she is in mourning. Okay? She is mourning. She is sad. This is what it means. Right? Which is why, you know, if somebody's not dressed up properly, you wonder, is everything okay? Is everything okay? Like, for example, if a woman has the habit of doing her hair every day or wearing nice clothes every day, and one day she doesn't, you know, people are like, is everything okay? 
You know, like there are some people who will always wear eye makeup, who will always wear makeup. And if that one day they don't, you're like, is everything okay? Right? So it shows that that woman is not in a normal state right now. She is in mourning. And this is to such an extent that we learn from a hadith, Um Salama, she said that a woman, she came to the Prophet ﷺ and asked that, O oh, Messenger of Allah, my daughter's husband died. My daughter's husband died and she is complaining about you know, her eye, that her eye is hurting or something. And it's only natural. Her husband passed away, perhaps she was crying a lot. So her eye was hurting. So she was asking that, can we please put some kuhl in her eye? Like, you know, there's a black eyeliner kind of thing that she put, but it's inside the eye, okay? So the Prophet ﷺ said, no. They wanted to put it for treatment. But still the Prophet ﷺ said, no. Why? Because even if a woman wears it for treatment, it is going to beautify her. It is going to make her more beautiful. So he said that no. And the woman asked repeatedly, again and again, but still the Prophet ﷺ said, no, she cannot put it on. So this means that when a woman, when her husband dies, if she was used to wearing gold jewelry, bangles, earrings, you know, like wearing makeup on a regular basis, then she should discontinue that. She should discontinue that. Why? Because she is in that state of mourning. She has to be in that state of being single again, okay, where you don't bother dressing up, where you don't bother wearing makeup, so that if she does get married later, then she can actually have a fresh start. You understand? You have highlights in your hair, you can't do anything about that. It's going to stay as it is. But don't go on covering the white hair with more highlights or covering the gray hair with you know color. No, don't go on doing that. Likewise, if a woman puts henna in her hair or on her toe, on her fingernails, then she should discontinue that practice. Okay? Because she is in that state of mourning. She has to become plain and simple for some time at least. And the thing is that this is something very deep. When a married woman, when she dresses up, you know who she thinks about? Her husband. Even if she's putting something simple like nice bracelet or earrings, she will think about her husband because you know he's going to look at it. Or he's going to see it. He's going to appreciate it. So when the woman is going to wear that same jewelry, that same makeup, what do you think is going to happen to her? She's going to be so sad. It's going to be so difficult for her. So she needs to get over the loss of her husband physically, emotionally, mentally. She needs time to detach herself from him so that she can live a normal life. Because many times it happens that when a woman's husband passes away, yes, it's a great loss, but that woman cannot get over that loss for the rest of her life. And you know who gets affected? Her children get affected. She does not even consider marrying again afterwards in which there is absolutely no harm. But she doesn't even consider doing that. So this is the second rule that a woman cannot adorn herself. But this teaches us something very interesting, which is that when a woman is interested in getting married, then she should adorn herself. Okay? Inshallah, we'll discuss more about that afterwards. Thirdly, the third rule is that the widow, she has to stay in the house of her husband for the idda. She will not go to her parents' house, she will not go to her brother's house, but she will stay in the house of who? Her husband. Meaning the house that she was living in with her husband. Okay? This is who? The widow. The husband passed away. She was living there for 20 years, for 15 years. That is her house. So she has to spend their idda over there. So for example, this will not be done 
for instance, in that property, that house, the parents of the man, they have a share as well. Okay, because shares of inheritance, they go to different, different relatives. So yes, the wife has a share, children have a share, but the parents also get a share. Okay, so it will not be done that the parents say that, okay, we have a right to this house too, so please you go and spend idda somewhere else, we have to sell the house so that we can get our money. No, it will be delayed until the idda is over. Likewise, the children cannot say that we want to sell this house because we want our share. So please you make your own arrangements because we want the money. No, she will spend the idda in the house of her husband. That, you know, nothing will be done. She will not be sent away from there until her idda is over. She has the right to stay there for four months and ten days. Why do you think she has the right to stay there for four months and ten days after the death of her husband? Why? Her belongings are there. She's attached to that place. She was living with her husband over there. She needs to manage her things, pack them up, you know, pack up her husband's stuff, deal with all of those amanat, sell whatever, you know, give away whatever. She needs time. Good question. That in the case where the marriage was not consummated, the girl was in a different country. She's waiting for her visa and she's living in the house of her parents and now her husband died in another country. Marriage was not consummated. Where is she going to spend her idda? Wherever she was. Okay? Wherever she was. Because, I mean, obviously her legal papers are not there and she's not going to travel from one country to the other just to spend their idda over there. No. Basically, wherever the woman was, she's going to stay there. And generally, typically, a woman is where? In the house of her husband. Okay? Yes. No. She has to stay there for four months and ten days. Before that, she cannot leave. Unless there is something that cannot be avoided. Okay? Like, for example, she was, let's say she just came in to the house of her husband to a different country, but she came on a visit visa, for example, and her visa ends within a month. She has to go back to her home country so that she can actually come with her immigration papers. You know what happens with some people? So she's there only for a month. So she will stay there for a month, but when she goes to her parents' house, for example, in the other country, then she will stay there for the rest of the time and not travel around the whole world. Okay? Or the whole town. Then... Another rule is that she has to stay at home and not leave the house to go anywhere. Okay? The widow, in her idda, where will she stay? In the house. She's not, you know, going around shopping in the mall, going to her friend's house for a party, going to another place, you know, a wedding party. No. There is a lecture in the masjid. There is a conference coming up. There are taraweeh in the masjid in the month of Ramadan. No, she's not going to go around everywhere. The only case when she's going to leave the house is when? Out of extreme necessity. That when she has to go, it cannot be avoided. So for example, she has to go to court. Okay. For example, she has nobody. She has to go buy groceries herself. Okay. She has to pick up her children from school. There's nobody to pick them up. Okay. Likewise, she is a student. She has to complete her degree. She is, let's say, working and she can't discontinue her work because if she does, then where would she get money from? Her husband is not even there anymore. Or she has to start working because she doesn't have any other source of income. She wasn't working before, but now when her husband died, she has to start working. So yes, she will go to the workplace, she will go to school, she will go to the court, she will go to the bank, she will go to the grocery store, but she will limit her outings to only what is necessary. Yes, of course, other people can come visit her. 
definitely. In fact, this is something good because she needs company as well. She shouldn't be left in the house by herself, all alone, because it's quite possible she might go into depression. It's the responsibility of the community, of the family, to support her in this time. But she will not go out too much. Why? Because she needs time to heal. She needs time to heal. Now sometimes people say that the more you worry about your problem, then the more difficult it is to accept it. Or if you are free, you're doing nothing, you don't keep yourself busy, then it gets more difficult for you to heal. You know what? There are some things that you have to accept. You have to accept them. And you can't avoid them. So if the woman in there, she says, I can't stay at home because if I stay at home, I think about my husband, I get depressed, I get sad, I have to go around, I have to go outside, I have to party, I have to do this, I have to do that. Okay, she goes outside, but you know what? On the outside she'll have a smile, but on the inside she'll be hurting. She'll never get over that loss. There are some bitter things in life that you have to face. You have to accept, you cannot avoid them. And this is one of them. The death of the husband is one of them. So in order to heal, in order to attach herself with her Lord more, she needs to spend time in privacy, in seclusion, you know, in the sense that she's not going out all the time. Okay? And also remember that when she goes out of the house for whatever work, whatever that is necessary, she will still spend the night in her own house. So for example, she has to go work, she has to go do something important that cannot be avoided, she has to go to the doctors, whatever. But in the night, she is going to stay in her own house. We learned that once some men, some Muslim men, they were martyred in the Battle of Uhud. And their wives, obviously there were many Muslims who died in the Battle of Uhud. Do you know how many there were? How many Muslims died in the Battle of Uhud? About 70, right? So imagine... Their wives, there were all of a sudden so many widows in Medina. Okay? They were afraid of being alone at home. And this is very normal, very natural. I mean, you're alone at home, you will be scared. You know, one day you can ask your mother to come, your sister to come, your brother to come. But for four months and ten days, who do you think is going to come and stay with you every single night? It's going to be very difficult. So some of them, they went to the Prophet ﷺ and they asked that, can we at least you know, spend the night in the houses of each other? You know, we're afraid, so maybe we can go to the house of one another and spend the night over there. The Prophet ﷺ said that you should chat together in the houses of one of you, meaning get together in the houses of one of you, spend the night over there as much as possible, but when you're going to sleep, then go to sleep in your own houses. So for example, after Maghrib, you get scared. You know, it's dark, and at that time, no lighting, right? So you get scared, okay, all of you gather together in the houses of one of you, and you chat, whatever, you pray Isha, and then when it comes time to sleep, then you go to your own houses. Why do you think so? Because what happens is that when a woman is a widow, when she becomes a single after being married, whether she's divorced or she's a widow, many times people, they start thinking negatively about them. Oh look, she's talking to that man. Her husband died just a week ago and already she's you know, going out. Already she's showing interest in other men. Already she's staying in the house of somebody else. Allahu alam what she's doing. She might be having a secret relationship. You know, people come up with such things, right? So this is why in the night it has been disliked for the protection of the woman. 
that she does not spend the night anywhere else, but that she spends the night in her own house. But during the day, yes, she can go around, do whatever she has to, that cannot be avoided. And another hadith tells us that once Jabir, he said that my maternal aunt, she was divorced thrice. Meaning her talaq was ba'in. It was irrevocable. So now she left the house of her husband and she was spending their idda somewhere else, basically. How much is their idda? Three months, right? So she was spending her idda, but she went out to harvest her palm trees. She had an orchard and she had to take care of the palm trees herself. So she would go to do that during her idda. A man met her and he told her not to do that. He said that you're in your idda. How can you be outside and working in your fields? So she went to the Prophet ﷺ and he said, go out and harvest your palm trees. Continue doing that. Perhaps you will give some of it in charity or do some good. Meaning there's no harm if you go and take care of your trees. You can't neglect them for three months. If you neglect them by the time you come, everything finished. So that's your work. You have to continue with that work. Go ahead, do it. No harm. Okay? So likewise, if there is a woman who is a widow, she has to work. She can't do without it. It is something that she has to do or she has to start work. It doesn't matter. She can do it. But she will limit her social interaction with others. That Not that she's spending hours in the cafeteria uh, you know, after school or in break and just chatting away, talking away. No, she should limit that because she is in the state of mourning. And remember that necessity, it does not include going to weddings, parties, social gatherings or lectures, or conferences, and so on and so forth. So, يَتَرَبَّصْنَ بِأَنفُسِهِنَّ أَرْبَعَةَ أَشْهُرٍ وَعَشْرًا Four months and ten days. These are the rules of what? Of the idda for a widow. Then Allah says, فَإِذَا بَلَغْنَ أَجَلَهُنَّ Then when they have reached their ajal, meaning the end of their waiting period, the idda is over. The four months, the ten days are over. Then, فَلَا جُنَاحَ عَلَيْكُمْ There is no blame upon you. Upon who? You refers to the guardians of those women. The closest male relatives of the widows. So who are they? For example, the father, the brother, the uncle, the closest male relatives who are supposed to be her wali, her awliya. So Allah says to them that there is no blame upon you, O guardians, fima concerning that which fa'alna those women do, fi anfusihinna concerning themselves, bil ma'roof in the manner that is appropriate. Meaning, you, O guardians, are not responsible as to what the women do concerning themselves in the manner that is appropriate. What is this referring to? That if the women after their idda want to get married again. So for example, they start socializing a little bit more with others, or they're dressing up more, they're showing some interest in getting married again. Let's say they put up their, you know, on those websites, you have their portfolio or whatever on those websites in which you can find prospective spouses, right? So if they make a file over there, if they submit their resume or whatever you call it over there, obviously in a manner that is approved, bil-ma'roof, there's no harm in that. Okay, In other words, after the idda is over, if the widow shows interest in getting married, then the guardians, they are not held responsible. Why? Because remember that the divorced woman and the woman who is a widow, she has more authority when it comes to her marriage. 
she can actually go and look for a spouse. She can show interest in that. She can let other people know that by the way, I'm looking into getting married. If you find somebody, let me know. There's no harm in that. Because she has more authority to do that compared to someone who has never been married. Okay? فِيمَا فَعَلْنَا فِي أَنفُسِهِنَّ But what's the condition? بِالْمَعْرُوفِ Not that she is you know, going to places where they have speed dating and you know, she's uh, going on chatting to men and talking to men more, interacting with them even more. No, this is not appropriate. Within the hudud of the sharia. Alright? We learned that a woman, her husband, uh, he passed away while she was pregnant. And a few days after his death, she gave birth to her child. And then after that, her nifas, her bleeding, when it was over, she took a bath, she cleansed herself completely, and she actually beautified herself. Right? She wore nice clothes, she wore makeup or whatever. And when some people found out, they said to her that, why do I see you beautified yourself? Do you wish to get married? By Allah, you will not marry until the four months and ten nights have passed. Because he was saying that, no, because her nifas was less than four months and ten days. So somebody came to her and she said that, you can't even get married until your four months and ten days are over. So she went to the Prophet ﷺ and she asked him, and he said that your idda is over when you gave birth. And he allowed for her to dress up more and uh, you know interact with people more if she was interested in getting married. Okay, so fima fa'alna fi anfusihinna bil ma'roof. So the guardians they are not held responsible over here; they are not going to be guilty over here. Okay, so for example, when she was in her waiting period, if there was an invitation to go to somebody's house, would she go? She would not go. If it was extreme necessity, let's say she was going to meet a lawyer over there, a family friend who happens to be a lawyer. Is she going to go? Yes, because it's an important meeting. It has to do with her property, you know, whatever. Something that cannot be avoided. Okay. But after her idda is over, let's say she's invited to somebody's house for a party. So she goes. Can she dress up? Yeah? If she doesn't dress up, what would you think? She's still sad. She's still in mourning. But if she dresses up very nicely, the way she used to before, what does it show? She's getting back to normal. Right? So she is showing her interest in having another relationship perhaps, in getting married again perhaps. Okay? But it will be bil ma'roof. Not that she's going to mix gatherings, sitting amongst men, you know, all decked up. No. Bil ma'roof in the manner that is appropriate. Okay? Wallahu and Allah bima ta'maluna khabir. With whatever you do, He is fully aware. Whatever you do, Allah knows about it. Allah is watching you. So, in the case of the widow, like Allah knows when your idda is going to be over. Don't start looking for spouses before that. And when you do prepare yourself for marriage, then don't cross the limits because Allah knows about what you're doing. Wallahu bima ta'maluna khabir. He's fully aware of whatever you do. And like I mentioned earlier, that a woman who is interested in getting married, then it's obvious by the way that she dresses up. Okay? So, you know, there's some girls who want to get married, but when they go to social gatherings, they don't make their hair, they don't dress up nicely, they don't do anything like that. So people think, okay, she's busy in her studies, she's not interested in getting married at all. So people don't even consider. You understand? But if you go to a social gathering and you dress up moderately in a nice manner, then yes, people will think that, okay, you are interested. 
Okay? But if you don't do anything like that, people won't know that you're interested. But don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that go in front of other men in that manner. That when you're going outside, make sure that your hijab and your purse and your shoes are all matching and you're wearing that lip gloss and you're wearing like really nice perfume and you're walking by men and you're talking to them and you're really chatting with them and you're exchanging phone numbers so that people actually, you know, they think that you're interested. No, don't do anything that is wrong. But within limits, the limits that Allah has set, within limits that are allowed, then please. Otherwise, people will think you're not interested in getting married. So for example, if there's a man you think is interested or who shows his interest in getting married to a woman, is it allowed for that woman to dress up in front of him? Remember that she can't go out of her way to dress up, but if she is wearing like normal clothes, like normal house clothes that are decent. I'm not saying that wear something that you wear when you go to a party, but decent house clothes and you wear, you know, a jilbab on top and a little bit of your clothes are showing. And because in the hadith, we even learned that if the man wants to see the hair of the woman, he can see that. So she can show the hair to him. Okay. And if the woman covers her face and he wants to see her face, she has to show her face. Okay. But it doesn't mean that you're wearing makeup and you are all decked up in normal clothes, what you would wear decently around the house, wear that, cover yourself up, and if they want to see you, then they can. Okay, but obviously in a manner that is appropriate. Bil-ma'roof. Now, in this ayah, like I mentioned to you earlier, the ruling concerning the idda of the widow is mentioned. Remember that the observance of idda is a fad, it is wajib. It is obligatory, mandatory on the woman. No woman can say that, oh, I can't sit for their idda, so too bad. No, it is fard. Which means that if a woman does not sit for her idda, then she is committing a sin. And their idda begins from the day that the husband dies. She can't say that, oh, since I am busy right now, there are too many weddings coming up, I'll wait for two months, after two months, and I'll sit for my idda. No. The idda begins from the day that the husband dies. Four months and ten days. And she has to observe all of these rules and regulations that I mentioned to you. And after that, she can show her interest in getting married in a manner that is appropriate. And amongst the Jahili Arabs, there were many practices that don't make sense at all, that were actually very unjust in the favor of the woman, that first of all, Like I mentioned to you, she wasn't allowed to even come out or clean herself or anything. Likewise, we learned that some women would actually be inherited by the men of the family, just as the property of the dead man would be inherited by the men of the family. Yes. So for example, if a man had like three wives and let's say he had 15 sheep and 10 camels, When he died, okay, one brother took 10 camels, another brother took 15 sheep, and another brother, he came and took two wives, another uncle came and took the other wife. Yes. Yes. This was a practice amongst the Arabs. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He completely finished this. This is not fair. A woman is not property. This is why we learned that, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَا يَحِلُّ لَكُمْ أَن تَرِثُ النِّسَاءَ كَرْهَا It is not permissible for you, O believers, that you inherit women. Women are not property. They are individuals who have their rights, who have their own identity. And when their husband dies, then afterwards they are free to marry somebody else if they want to. But it will only be after their healing period. And how much is that? Four months 
and 10 days. You can't get her married to somebody else before 4 months and 10 days. Because she needs time to heal. And like I said, time is the best healer. Let's listen to the recitation and then we'll continue. وَالَّذِينَ يُتَوَفَّوْنَ مِنْكُمْ وَيَذَرُونَ أَزْوَاجًا يَتَرَبَّصْنَ بِأَنفُسِهِنَّ أَرْبَعَةَ أَشْهُرٍ وَعَشْرًا فَإِذَا بَلَغْنَ أَجَلَهُنَّ فَلَا جُنَاحَ عَلَيْكُمْ فِيمَا فَعَلْنَ فِي أَنفُسِهِنَّ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَاللَّهُ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ خَبِيرٌ Focus on the lesson everybody, okay? Focus on the lesson. When the recitation is being played, don't look around here, there. This is not just a time to pass. No, you have to focus on the lesson. These are very important ayat that are slightly difficult to understand. So I want you to focus completely. Okay? Okay. 